0: Today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farrakh.
1: This is what the enemy will always try to do in our lives as Christians, and here's why. He knows that if we were to try and go against him, he's the one that's defeated. So he's gonna try and do everything he can to get us to give up and give in to him, because he knows that's the only way he's gonna win. Is if He can get us to surrender and give in to Him.
0: You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of Isaiah. Today, Pastor J.D. looks at how the Assyrian king tried to stir up fear in the Israelites so they would surrender. He points out that Satan does this same thing to you. He's trying his best to stir up fear so that he can defeat you. Pastor J.D. will walk you through the Israelites' response and see how you can apply that to your own life. Now be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. But for now, here's Pastor JD in the book of Isaiah, chapter 36, with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth.
1: Why don't we pray and we'll ask God to bless our Bible study? Please join with me. Loving Heavenly Father, we need for you at this time to, especially with everything that is happening and just even the events of today. We really need for you to settle our hearts. And we got a lot of things on our mind, a lot of things on our plates, a lot of things clamoring for our attention. And we just want to put all of that aside so that we can give you our undivided attention. Lord, we need for you to minister to us, to calm us, to settle us, and to minister to us as only you can, and as you always do. You're always so faithful to. So, Lord, bless our time, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. All right, so we have before us one of the most intriguing accounts in all of Scripture. I know I say that about all of Scripture, but this one in particular for different reasons, but specifically as it relates to one responding to a threat, or an email, or a letter, or a memo, or a mandate. I'll leave it right there. So as the Lord would have it, no coincidence, no such thing. Wherever you're at in your life, that's where you're at in God's Word, because God's Word's alive and active and sharp, you know, sharper than any two-edged sword, and it cuts between soul and spirit, bone and marrow. And such is the case with this portion of Scripture that we have before us. So we're going to see King Hezekiah, a good king by the way, right? And how it is that he responds when he receives this threat, and this threat is in written form, and it's as blasphemous as it is serious. So it's my hope that the Bible study will be an encouragement, to anyone concerning the threats that I know firsthand many are facing today. Let's begin verse 1 chapter 36 Isaiah. Now it came to pass in the fourteenth year of King Hezekiah that Sennacherib king of Assyria came up against all the fortified cities of Judah and took them. Then, verse 2, the king of Assyria sent the Rabshakeh. This is not a man's name. This is rather a title of what's believed to be the field commander. That's what they would call them, the Rabshakeh. With a great army from Lachish, just right outside of Jerusalem, to King Hezekiah at Jerusalem, and he stood by the aqueduct from the upper pool on the highway to the Fuller's field. That's quite a bit of detail. Uh, the takeaway from the detail is they're right at the door. And verse three: Eliakim, the son of Hilkiah, who was over the household; Shebna, the scribe; and Joah, the son of Asaph, the recorder came out to him. These would be the counterparts now of this king of Assyria. So King Hezekiah has his counterparts that go out to meet this coalition that is now at their doorstep. And so it begins. Now it's important to understand so you can kind of get a picture of what's happening here and how serious what's happening here is they have swept away almost effortlessly all of these cities and towns on their way to Jerusalem. And next on their list, on their map, was Jerusalem. And so it's just a foregone conclusion, at least as far as they're concerned, that now it's just a matter of time before they also take Jerusalem. So they're coming with quite a bit of arrogance and haughtiness, as we'll see. Then, verse 4, the Rabshakeh said to them, Say now to Hezekiah, Thus says the great king, the king of Assyria. Now here we go. Told you it was going to be haughty and arrogant. What confidence is this in which you trust? I say you speak of having plans and power for war, but they are mere words. Now in whom do you trust that you rebel against me? Look, you are trusting in the staff of this broken reed, Egypt, on which if a man leans, it will go into his hand and pierce it, so is Pharaoh, king of Egypt, to all who trust him. Well, we're off to a great start, aren't we? Here's the thing. They're actually right. What they say here is true. Concerning Judah putting their trust in, even seeking an alliance with Egypt to help them, defeat the Assyrians. Heretofore the prophet Isaiah has been prophesying and warning them about putting their trust in Egypt. We were talking about and reading about how that God was watching them load up all of the treasures and money on camels and taking them down from Judah to pay Egypt to form this alliance. And it's like God's going, you're paying them to do for you what I will do for you, free of charge. And you're looking to them. You're relying on them. Apparently, this King Sennacherib has some pretty good intel, because he heard about it. And now he's kind of mocking them. Oh, you're going to ally with and trust in Egypt? (laughs) if someone leans on them, they'll snap like a toothpick and it will pierce their hands. It gets worse, verse (laughs) 7, but if you say to me, he already knows what they're going to say, no we're not trusting in Egypt, we're trusting in the Lord. Okay. But if you say to me, we trust in the Lord our God, is it not He whose high places and whose altars Hezekiah has taken away, and said to Judah and Jerusalem, You shall worship before this altar. Now therefore I urge you, give a pledge to my master, the king of Assyria, and I will give you two thousand horses, if you're able on your part to put riders on them, How then will you repel one captain of the least of my master's servants, and put your trust in Egypt for chariots and horsemen? Oh, you see what he did here? He's now mocking not Judah and Jerusalem and Hezekiah. He's mocking God you're putting your trust in the Lord? Well, how's that working out for you? This is textbook when it comes to the attack of the enemy. He always targets and seeks to mock our trust in the Lord. And I'll tell you why he does that. This is his strategy, and it's quite successful, I might add. See, Sennacherib wants them to surrender to the Assyrians like everyone else does. Just, there's no way you're going to prevail against us. When we move in we sweep up. You have no hope. You might as well just surrender. Just give in. Just cave in and give up. That's what he's saying here. And You have to understand something about the Assyrians. These, they were evil through and through, merciless, the things they would do. So if you went up against them instead of surrendering to them, they would make an example of you. I mean, just unspeakable things they would do to you. And then they would take the corpses and the I don't want to be so graphic, but they would put them outside, impaled, in front of the city walls. This is what happens when you don't surrender to us. So here's what was happening heretofore, prior to this. Here come the Assyrians. Game over. They would just surrender and give up, and then they would be taken back to the land and they would become slaves now of the Assyrians. There's no use trying to fight. Look what happens when you do. So let's just, let's just surrender, and let's just do it. And that's what he's trying to get them to do. And this is what the enemy will always try to do in our lives as Christians, and here's why. He knows that if we were to try and go against him, he's the one that's defeated. So he's going to try and do everything he can to get us to give up and give in to him, because he knows that's the only way he's going to win, is if he can get us to surrender and give in to him. Because he knows if we stand against him and resist him, he's got to flee. He's a defeated foe. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. I've shared this before, I'll share it again just quickly. I've gotten to the place in my prayer life, when I'm in all-out spiritual war, where I will pray out loud. Something happens when you pray out loud. And I try to make sure nobody's around so they don't, you know, (laughs) because they have clinical terms for things like that. So it's just me and the Lord, and I'm in all-out war, spiritual war. And there has been times when the battle spiritually has raged so intensely that I have said out loud to Satan, you are a defeated foe. I resist you. Get out! Here's the thing, he gets out. I'm like, wow, I wish I would have tried that sooner. Here he is threatening me and intimidating me and trying to get me to give in. Get out! I'm not giving in. See, he knows that if I give in, he wins. And that's the only way he can win. He cannot defeat me outwardly. The gates of hell, the demons from hell cannot prevail against the church. I'm sorry I'm yelling. But it's true. And that's what he's trying to get them to do. Because he knows that's the only way. Okay, I feel better now. Let's move on. Verse 10. (laughs) Have I now come up, now listen to this, have I now come up without the Lord against this land to destroy it? The Lord said to me, go up against this land and destroy it. What? Oh no you didn't. Oh yes I did. You're telling me, Sennacherib king of Assyria, great king, that God is on your side, and has sent you to defeat and destroy me. That's what he said, verse 10. Has the enemy ever said something like that to you? Of course he has. This is a textbook case of the devil's threats, and it's evidenced by how he twists the truth to deceive us. And the way he twists the truth is he mixes just enough deception in with the truth. So when you first hear it, you think, well, there are times where God has delivered us into the hands of our enemies to chastise us, to repent and return to Him. Maybe God did send the Assyrians and King Sennacherib, and he's the instrument in the hands of God to discipline us. No he's not. No he's not. Don't listen to the lies of the enemy, because they are very subtle, and they have just enough truth to where it sounds right. Example, real quick, like with Eve in the garden. Satan knows Scripture more than we do, and he will quote slash misquote Scripture. And if we don't know Scripture, then we're sitting ducks and we'll fall prey. The serpent says to Eve, hath God said? And he twists it just a little bit, because God didn't actually say that if we touch the tree, in the day that we touch the tree, we shall surely die. No, he kind of added that in. Oh, interesting. He's very good at this, and this is why it is so important, it is of paramount importance to know the Word of God. When Satan tempted Jesus, after fasting for forty days and forty nights, what does he do? He comes to Jesus misquoting out of context scripture. How does Jesus overcome scripture? Quoted correctly. Oh, go ahead, jump off, you know, uh, you shall not dash your foot against the stone. (laughs) Come on, dude, I, I wrote that. You're misquoting that thou shalt not test the Lord thy God. And it's kind of interesting because, and we're going to see this, so he resisted the devil, and the devil fled. And there's this one little detail at the end of the account in the Gospels where it says the devil left him to return at a more optimum time. I wish that weren't in the Bible, (laughs) because you know what that means? He's coming back, and that's what Sennacherib is going to do. He keeps coming back, and coming back, and coming back. Verse 11, Then Eliakim, Shabna, and Joah said to the Rabshakeh, Please speak to your servants in Aramaic. For we understand it, and do not speak to us in Hebrew in the hearing of the people who were on the wall. They're overhearing this, and you're scaring the living daylights out of them. But, verse 12, the rabshakeh said, Has my master sent me to your master, and to you to speak these words, and not to the men who sit on the wall? I almost imagine he's raising his voice so they hear him and then he says this, who will eat and drink their own waste with you. Were it not in the word, I wouldn't expound on it, as graphic as it is, but you know what he's saying, and I only point this out because this is what the enemy does to us. If you don't give in, you're going to starve. And the only thing you're going to be able to eat is the own waste that comes out of the human body. That's what he's saying. See the enemy knows that threats and fear spread like wildfire. So he just starts the spark and then (laughs) the rest is history as they say. And he knows so much so that he'll speak our language, so that we not only hear, but understand. So here's King Hezekiah's man saying, bring it down a notch. (laughs) We don't want them to hear. Why don't you speak to us in Aramaic, because if you keep because they, they, they understand Hebrew, and they're hearing what you're saying, and fear is so contagious, isn't it? This is why it is in the Old Testament accounts, many times, when God would command His people, if there's anyone that's afraid, send them home, because they will be a detriment on the battlefield. Because if they're afraid, and they don't have the courage, they're going to influence their comrades, and they too will become afraid. That's what's happening here. So what's their response? Oh, okay, I'm sorry, I I didn't know. Let's talk in Aramaic. We sure don't want fear to spread. Doesn't say that. Then the Rabshakeh stood and called out with a loud voice in Hebrew, Can you hear me now? I'm speaking your language. And said, Hear the words of the great king, the king of Assyria. Thus says the king, Do not let Hezekiah deceive you, for he will not be able to deliver you. Nor let Hezekiah make you trust in the Lord, saying, The Lord will surely deliver us. This city will not be given into the hand of the king of Assyria. Do not listen to Hezekiah. Unsubscribe from his YouTube channel. (laughs) Unfriend him on Facebook. He's leading you astray. For thus says the king of Assyria, Make peace with me, buy a present, and come out to me, and every one of you eat from his own vine, and every one from his own fig tree, and every one of you drink the waters of his own cistern, until I come and take you away to a land like your own land, A land of grain and new wine, a land of bread and vineyards. We'll resettle you like we do with everyone else. Are you getting convinced yet?
0: We're so glad you joined us for this edition of In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. The book of Isaiah is an interesting one. As the prophet Isaiah spoke things that God wanted the people of Israel to hear, but they just wouldn't listen. Little did they know that much of what Isaiah spoke had bigger significance than they could have imagined. From beginning to end, the book of Isaiah touches on Jesus Christ coming later on. It refers to the announcement of his coming, his birth, his good news of salvation, his death, and his return to claim his own. Wow! What an incredible insight into the future. Sometimes things are plain right before our eyes. And we just aren't willing to see it for what it is. Although the people were ignorant in that present time, God used Isaiah to speak to them anyway and to proclaim the good news that was to come. Do you know of this good news? If not, we'd like you to check out com and head over to the resources page. There you'll find the ABCs of salvation, which goes into a step-by-step understanding the good news of Jesus. If you're in the Kaneohe area, you're always welcome to join us on Sundays or Thursdays at Calvary Chapel Kaneohe. We meet for a time of worship, fellowship, and in-depth Bible study with Pastor J.D. You can find service times, directions, and more at our website, CalvaryChapelCaniohe.com. Until we meet again, we encourage you to dive deep into God's word and to look for more things God wants to teach you in this book of Isaiah. Looking forward to next time here on In Spirit and Truth.